Thank you, Travis, for ministering in music. Take a moment in silence. You can share with the Lord your desire to be responsive as we interact with God's Word this morning. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for Christ, his coming, revealing himself, revealing you, that we can know you, we can know Christ. Thank you for your spirit you've given to live within us and want to be sensitive to your ministry to us this morning, for it's in Christ's name I pray, amen. Two weeks ago, I discussed Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20, which deal with Jesus casting the demons out of the demoniac. And then last week, we discussed a number of passages that deal with the fact that we are in a spiritual battle in the world in which we live. In light of those two sermons and some feedback I got and some thinking that I have done, the enemy desires misunderstanding in our communication. That has happened to Ruth Ann and I at least once or twice in our 40 years together. He desires to get us upset and withdraw from each other. And how many times do we withdraw from someone when we don't understand? He desires us to blame the other person for not communicating clearly or not hearing correctly. Depends on which side of the fence you're on. And he desires for us to dwell on situations where there's lack of communication. The Lord desires for us to give up the claim, I'm right and you were wrong. The Lord desires for us to find our security in Christ, to openly and honestly respond and interact with one another. So this morning I want to continue our discussion from last week. And I say this about any time I speak. If you don't understand, feel free to ask. And if you think I'm off track, don't be afraid to tell me. I think I'm open and responsive enough to deal with those items. So in light of what we discussed last week and some things we discussed this week, first of all, I want to touch on some things we covered last week. Or two weeks ago, I'm sorry. Two weeks ago, in one of the applications of Mark 5 and verses 1 through 20, I said, should we stop and consider whether demonic activity, not possession, may be present in certain situations? And note the following in Mark 5, 1 through 20 in related passages. In Mark 5 and 1 through 20, you'll find that there was physical strength beyond the norm. There was activity, go, go, go. A person couldn't relax, the demoniac. There was injury in oneself in the demoniac. There was a crying out in the demoniac. There was isolation. He was living among the tombs. There was nakedness. It says he was found in his right mind and clothed. And he was out of his mind. He wasn't in his right mind. And then I posed a question. Are we trying at times to treat demonic activity with drugs or counseling rather than Christ? I want us to think and consider. And then I posed the question, what role do demons play in some modern-day situations? For example, I may have better said, what role may demons play rather than do? And then I listed 
some specifics, a teen with great strength beyond the norm. I mentioned ADD, ADHD. I mentioned many emotional problems for which we use drugs. And I mentioned schizophrenia. With the above, I was asking a question. I was not drawing a conclusion. Now, in light of that, I want to clarify what I was not saying, and then I want to look at some scripture. I was not saying that all emotional problems, panic attacks, ADD, ADHD, schizophrenia, and so on, are directly related to demon activity. I was not making that as a dogmatic statement. I was not saying that drugs should not be used for emotional problems, panic attacks, ADD, ADHD, schizophrenia, and so on. I did not want to say it is sin to use drugs to treat emotional problems, panic attacks, ADD, ADHD, or schizophrenia. So those are three things that I was not saying. I didn't want to say if I said them and you heard them that way, that's not what I wanted to communicate. But there are some things that I do want to communicate in light of what we discussed last week in Mark 5. I long deeply for us as believers in Christ to stop and think. We are tempted to live and respond like the world system. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, Paul says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll prove what God's will is, is good, acceptable, and pleasing will. In 1 John chapter 5, listen as I read in verse 19. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We live in a world... Under the control of the evil one, as we discussed last week, looking at various scriptures, and we are tempted at times to think and respond like the world system. The world system makes the following claim boldly and consistently. Here and now is all there is to life. We live in a seen, material world. We can handle life. There is no unseen spiritual world. We can get fixed physically, emotionally, relationally, with surgery, counseling, drugs, and so on. The world is continually bombarding us with here and now is all there is to life. So, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. The one with the most money, the one with the most toys, the one with the most pleasure wins. Sex without consequences. Pursue pleasure, pursue leisure. Do what it takes to get ahead. Fix me now. A demand of doctors or drugs. That's the way the world system thinks. Here and now is all there is to life. We live in a seen material world. We can handle life. There is no unseen spiritual world. 
We can get fixed physically, emotionally, relationally with surgery, counseling, drugs, etc. This claim is due to the work of Satan and his demons who lures the world to think and live and respond in that manner. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Now remember, we live in a world system with Satan as its head. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. Ephesians 2 and verse 1. As for you, writing to those in Ephesus who are believers, as for you, you were before your salvation. You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live. When you followed the ways of this world and the ruler and the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of the sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of God's wrath. Now notice in verse 2, you lived in transgressions and sins when you used to live, when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Now go over to chapter 6 and verse 10. Chapter 6 and verse 10. <clears throat> Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So he's saying our battle is not against people. We're dealing with a spiritual battle. Satan and his demons, they were mentioned in Ephesians 1. When Paul mentioned that, there's victory over them through Christ. In 1 John, as John concludes his letter to the believers to whom he was writing, he says in verse 18, 1 John 5 and verse 18, we know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps him safe, and the evil one cannot harm him. We know that we're children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. The whole world is under the control of the evil one. Satan and his demons introduce, introduce doubts. He lies. And the statement there, here and now, is all there is. We live in a seen, material world. We can handle life. There is no unseen spiritual world. We can get fixed physically, emotionally, relationally with surgery, counseling, drugs, and so on, is a lie. We live in a seen and unseen world. We battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and so on. Satan is the god of this world. The result is that believer. The result is believers failing or being tempted to fail to see the spiritual battle. 
Satan, demons, Christ, the Holy Spirit involved, that we face in life. Thus we look for effects in the scene. Surgery, counseling, drugs. When we don't get fixed, we become demanding. Hebrews chapter 12, just listen as I read. In the context of Christ being sufficient, the writer says, See to it that no one misses the grace of God. God's grace for us to live in a world and that no root of bitterness grows up to cause trouble and defile many. When I become demanding, I become bitter. When I become bitter, I become demanding. You know, they're interrelated. And the enemy would want us to become bitter when we're not fixed. We, by nature, want to be free from struggles and problems. That's not wrong to think that way. But we can become demanding in the world in which we live. So we are slow, many times, to stop and consider that in every struggle, physically, emotionally, relationally, Financially, Satan and his demons are at work. We think like the world, which thinks there is a here and now fix for everything. Do we stop and consider that when we have a physical struggle, a relational struggle, a financial struggle, an emotional struggle, that the enemy is involved? We live in his world. He's the one who tempted Adam and Eve. The enemy, his demons, are involved in some way, shape, or form. Because we battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, and so on. So no surgery, counseling, drugs can fix the spiritual battle we face. God's two blessings are relationships are the only solution, and I'll mention them later. We cannot deal with a spiritual battle with seen material items. Some 30 years ago, I went to the doctor. He performed surgery on my forehead, and he removed a skull tumor. He fixed that physically. I would be dead today if that had not been done quickly. But he didn't fix the battle that went far beyond that. Because from that, they diagnosed that I have a, another physical problem. And I battled with that. There were days uh, I said, God, I'm done. He fixed me physically, but he didn't fix the mental struggle. And as I mentioned last week, it came a point where I said, God, I'm done. I'm done with life. Just let me out. I didn't follow through on that because I recognized I was in a spiritual battle. And that in Christ, who is my life, I could deal with that mental and that emotional struggle that came. Drugs may help us emotionally with panic attacks, but there's still, still a spiritual battle. Thank God for surgery. Thank God for drugs. 
but they can't deal with the spiritual battle. They may help us deal with the scene and so on. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1. Colossians 3 and verse 1. After writing of what we have in Christ, the resources, I wouldn't say resources, what Christ is and who he is and what he offers, Paul says in verse 1 of Colossians 3, Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then will you also appear with him in glory. When Christ, who is your life, appears. Christ is our life. So stop and consider that our demand to be fixed shows how the enemy, we're in a spiritual battle, can use the material to lure us into demanding the good life now. We want to be fixed. We live in a broken world. Go back to Genesis chapter 3. We long for the redemption that is coming. But if we're not careful, we can demand for eternity now. However, God tells us that this life is full of trouble. I know that's not very encouraging. Our hope and expectation is an eternity with God and with Christ. Just listen as I read in the context of Jesus giving the Sermon on the Mount. He talks about not worrying about tomorrow, what you'll wear, what you eat, and so on. He gives the example, the lilies of the field and the birds of the air. And then he says in verse 34, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. <laughs> well, tomorrow, I hope it's better than today. And Jesus comes along and says, each day has enough trouble of its own. You'll have some tomorrow. And we come to tomorrow and we think, oh, I hope Tuesday's better than Monday. And then we think, well, Jesus did say each day has enough trouble of its own. So live today. In 2 Corinthians, Paul, in the context of going through some difficulties and having just talked about the transformation that <clears throat> can be taking place in our lives through Christ. He says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us, for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, for what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Don't lose heart. Though outwardly you're wasting away, physically you waste away. Don't lose heart. Because we can be renewed inwardly day by day. Our light and momentary troubles, which we seem to have every day, 
He says, fix your eyes not on what is seen. Don't fix your eyes on this body that's going to wear out. Fix your eyes on Christ and what is unseen, what is coming in the future, which he talks about in chapter 5. Our hope is not here. But we live here with Christ as our life. In Romans 8, verse 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from the bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We live in bondage. We live in a broken world. Our present suffering is not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Any fix with surgery, drugs, counseling, and so on is really temporary. Oh, it may help, and it may be wise to go that route, but it's temporary. permanent fix comes in eternity, if you want to use the term permanent fix. In our problems, struggle, or if our problems and struggle can be fixed with surgery, counseling, drugs, without our being challenged to consider our idols, our thinking, our beliefs, our desires, our attitudes, we continue to live a here and now life only. We don't see the spiritual, Satan, demons, Christ, the Holy Spirit. We don't see the spiritual battle. We're prone to live like unbelievers. I remember the first time we went to the hospital, or I took Ruth Ann to the hospital, and we went to Geisinger North. And I came away from that encounter at the emergency room somewhat frustrated. Basically, he said, go home and there's nothing physically wrong with you. It's all in your head. It was in our head, maybe in a sense. But Ruth Ann had a panic attack. I think that was almost as hard on me as it was her, because I didn't know what to do. She didn't know what to do. And over a period of time, I encouraged her, and she, I think, recognized it. Deal with the mental battle here. What's going on mentally? But also through some drugs, it has helped her with her panic attacks. But if it's only the drugs and not dealing with the spiritual unseen battle, she continues to desire and demand physical and mental health. She wouldn't see that as an idol in her life. So years ago, I had a skull tumor removed. They fixed me physically, temporarily at least. But that brought on a whole host of other things. God, even though I get fixed with the skull tumor being removed, showed me an idol in my life. And that was physical health. 
Until I was 30, I don't think I missed a day of work for being sick. I could get up in the morning and go like crazy, and I could go to late at night, get a few hours sleep, and get up and go again. My worth, my security, my God was being able to accomplish. So when Ruth Ann found me in bed in the morning on my day off, not getting up at 5 o'clock or 5.30 to go out and till in the garden, she worried about me. When we went on vacation, I went to bed at 10 o'clock at night and didn't get up till 2 o'clock in the next afternoon. She came home and thought I was dead. She worried about me. I was fixed physically, but my idol was not dealt with until God dealt with me. Dan, whether you accomplish or don't accomplish is okay. You're in Christ. So we may fix something with surgery or counseling or drugs, but God wants us to see that there's another battle going on. That even if we're fixed, we might not still deal with the heart. So God's desire is for us to see our inability, our idols, our demanding, so that we're driven to, driven to Christ alone, fixed or unfixed, we realize Christ is our life and we're transformed from the inside out. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is God's good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In Colossians chapter 3, which we read earlier, Christ, who is our life, set your mind on things above, not on things on this earth. Set your affection on things above, not on things on this earth. Surgery may fix us physically. Praise the Lord if it does. Drugs may help you emotionally. Praise the Lord. But don't stop with that. Step back and see your life, that God wants to drive you to him and to Christ alone. So sometimes we get fixed, sometimes we don't. So God allows us to live in our broken world. Or maybe he'll bring struggles into our life or problems to see our idols, our thinking, our beliefs, our desires, our attitudes, so that we turn to Christ and Christ alone. Let's take our Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7. 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 7. Paul is talking about a thorn in the flesh that he had. He doesn't elaborate on what that is, but he does say in verse 7, to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassing great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. That's human nature. God, just fix me. Not wrong to pray that way. But he said to me in verse 9, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, 
and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul had no place to turn. God said, I'm not going to fix you. My grace is made perfect in weakness. We may be fixed. We still need Christ. We may not be fixed. We still turn to Christ. And God may allow things in our world to drive us, or in our lives rather, to drive us just to turn to Christ. To get merely an outside fix is like painting over rust in a car. Recently had our car, took, got, did some body work, and he looked at it, and he said, you need to get it fixed. I said, I was tempted to paint it and let it go. Well, he said, by the spring, you wouldn't have any metal underneath your door. And it had to go deeper. It's like a wound which may heal over, but there's infection underneath yet. You've got to get the infection underneath. And God many times wants us to see that, whether we're fixed or not. Whether we live with, <clears throat> we live with surgery drugs or without them, the Lord's desire is for Christ to transform us from idolaters to worshipers in our desires, thinking, motives, beliefs, and attitudes. And for us to move in that direction, it requires repentance as believers. Repentance in the sense that, God, I've been demanding, I've been wanting a fix, and you may have allowed a fix, but I'm still struggling. And the Lord says, trust me. Don't need to turn here, but in Job, Satan, we know, was allowed by God to do devastation in Job's life. He lost his children, his possessions. He lost his physical health. And Job wanted an audience with God. And God, you know, I want an audience with you. You know, give me some explanation. What's going on here? You know, that comes through in the book. And God says, okay, Job, you get an audience with me. And the audience is going to be this way. I'm going to give you a little quiz. Job, I'm going to give you a little quiz. And his first question is, who is this that darkens my counsel without words or with words without knowledge. Brace yourself like a man, and I will question you, and you will answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Where was Job when the Lord laid the earth's foundation? Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? And he goes on, four chapters of questions. And Job, at the end of that, before he was fixed... He says, I know that you can do all things. No plan of yours can be thwarted. You ask, who is it that obscures my counsel without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. 
You said, listen now and I will speak. I will question you and you shall answer me. My ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Job, a man who was righteous, repenting. God, I've been demanding of a fix. And you even gave me the fix, but yet I continue to struggle. Why? God says, I want you to trust in Christ and Christ alone. Surgery, yes. Drugs, fine. <clears throat> Counseling, okay. But we don't change in the spiritual battle. We don't change from the inside out without repentance. How many of us here, if we were to go around, we could say, here's a struggle that I have. I don't think it'll ever be fixed. And some of you say, I had a struggle and I'm fixed, but I still have to deal with the mental battle. God would say, Christ. God's solution is not to fix all our physical, emotional, relational, financial struggles that we face but to live in our unfixed world with joy and contentment. Sometimes we're fixed, and we can pray, and I think we need to pray. James 5 makes that very clear. And sometimes we're fixed, and sometimes we're not fixed. Sometimes surgery will help. Sometimes drugs may help. Sometimes counseling may help. But sometimes... We're not going to be fixed. But fixed or not, living in our world with joy and contentment. That is why for Christ's sake I delight in weaknesses and in insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties for when I am weak, then I am strong. God, I don't know if I can go another day. And God says... Good. I want you to depend on me. God, I was fixed, but I still battle. battle. God says, good. I want you to trust in me, in Christ. He longs for us to understand that we are in a spiritual battle. And the two relationships are blessings. He has freely given to us to live in dependency upon and live well in our broken world with ongoing struggles and problems. He longs for us that we understand we're in a spiritual battle. But he's given us two relationships or two blessings. I get fixed physically. A tumor was removed. And lo and behold, they determined from that tumor that I had an ongoing disease that I'll battle with all of my life. And the older I get, the worse it gets. Excuse the English. 
And God says, Dan, you're in a spiritual battle. It's not about being fixed physically. Ruth Ann, it's not about you being fixed emotionally with panic attacks. You may be, you may not be, but I want you to enjoy. The two relationships or blessings are Christ, the living word, and the written word. The person of Christ and Scripture. That's one blessing. And the second one is the body of Christ. Within these two relationships, we may pursue surgery, fine. We may pursue drugs, fine. We may pursue counseling, fine. But understand that our ultimate joy and contentment and satisfaction is to be in Christ. He is our cake. He is our icing as we live in a fallen, broken world. Now comment a little more on some passages next week as it relates to Christ, the living and written word, and also the body of Christ. See, it's within the body. It's within Christ that God wants to minister.